Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. This, 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 this is RS2. This is RS2. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome along to the Bubba Burger Grand Prix, Sports Car Grand Prix here at Long Beach. It's John Hindorf and the rest of the team. Good to have your company as we are getting ready for the third round of the season. We've had two very different rounds in the opening to the IMSA season for 2018 on the high banks of Daytona for the Rolex 24 and then the Mobile 1 12 hours of Sebring and for our third race in the row the drivers are taking a new challenge here on the Long Beach streets and it's all live here on RS2 IMSA Radio WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. And alongside me is Jeremy Shaw. Good morning, Jeremy. One of our favourite events of the year. And the weather is, as ever, being very kind to us. Yes, good morning, John. Good morning, everybody. Yes, indeed. Uh, perfect Cal- Southern California weather. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to say I, I, I'm kind of used to this because I live only about 45 minutes away from here. So great to be here at Long Beach. And I've been coming to this race every, ever, ever since I first came over to the States in 1985. So uh, it's, a, it's always a wonderful event. The atmosphere is always tremendous. And the weather, generally speaking, is great. And it's super to see it living up to usual expectations this weekend. This is going to be a, a, a fun one. It's the shortest event on the schedule. We've gone from a couple of the longest ones with the 24 hours and then the 12 hour to just 100 minutes this weekend. And as you were alluding to in your intro, a very, very different uh, racetrack to the two we've been on already this season. But that, to me, John, is one of the strengths of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, isn't it? The variety of tracks on which we race. Talked to a few of the drivers this morning. There's a two-hour free practice session uh, coming up, and the first thing they have to do is keep it out of the walls. It's a long day for them with uh, just this session this morning before we go into the late afternoon final practice and qualifying session. But what you don't want to do, Jeremy, this early in the weekend is find the wall and give your team any extra work. It's a, a very a very packed schedule in terms of all the different series that are on the track. The, the track will evolve and develop throughout the weekend to Saturday afternoon when we have the third round of the IMSA WeatherTech Championship. And, yeah, really, this is just about getting some time under the wheels. Yeah, it is, because, uh, as you say, this is uh, these are regular city streets for 362 days of the year. So uh, it's just for this weekend that it becomes a racetrack. And there's no uh, rubber laid down from the race cars uh, previously. There's There's been a little bit of activity the last couple of days. There's sort of media rides and uh, a few other, you know, 
extraneous activities, let's say, on the racetrack, but nothing that's going to lay down any significant amount of rubber. So the track conditions are going to evolve as the weekend goes along. And you're absolutely right. The engineers uh, have to uh, kind of not, not listen too much to the drivers because if the driver comes in at the end of this or during the session this morning and said, well, the cars do this or the cars do that, can we fix it? Uh, then the engineers are going to say, well, yes, we probably can, but that might well mess us up for the rest of the weekend. So uh, they've just got to look at the end game here, which is the race which will take place tomorrow uh, afternoon. And uh, just the two categories of cars here this weekend, Jeremy, and it's both of the, what well, IMSA term, the pro classes here this weekend. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the prototypes and the GTLM cars. And we've got uh, 14 prototypes and eight GTLM cars, so 22 cars in total. But I tell you what, it's a, it's a high-quality field of cars, isn't it? And uh, I think we're in for a really exciting race. We've seen the GTD cars were here last year, so uh, we had a full complement of the uh, IMSA World Tech Sports Car Championship uh, classes last year. Um, but uh, I think this year you know, there's, there's fewer cars, but because of the fact there's fewer cars and because there's uh, just the pro drivers here, not the pro-am, which is the GTD category, then, you know, theoretically at least, we uh, should have a, 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 perhaps an opportunity to have fewer incidents on the racetrack because, hey, these are all paid professionals, right? They don't make mistakes. And we've said before in our Michelin post-race tech show that we'll, we'll take slightly fewer cars for more racing. We've only got 100 minutes. We don't want to see the safety car out. We had an, an extraordinary Rolex 24 Daytona with uh, the distance record not just smashed, but taken to 30,000 feet, thrown down and broken into tiny little pieces uh, with very few interventions. And with only 100 minutes here, we want to see as much green flag racing uh, as possible. And traditionally, if we've had green flag racing here, we've had good green flag racing here. Oh, we've had fantastic races here. Oh, yeah, all of the last, uh, yeah, well, really as long as we've been coming here, they've always been exciting races because this track does lend itself to good competition. There's two or three good places to pass. Uh, you've got to be, uh, you've got to you know, kind of take your life into your own hands. You've got to be prepared that uh, there's got going to be some give and take amongst the drivers because if they if they don't take, if they just try to give, then they're going to make they're going to get contact. And one of the two cars, if there's two uh, the two cars going to sit for the same piece of track, one of them is quite likely going to end up in the wall. Uh, and not only is that uh, not a good idea for your race prospects, but it doesn't do the pocket much pocket book much good either. Uh, let's head down to our Continental Tire Pit Lane reporter, Shea Adam. Good morning, Shea, and welcome to the broadcast. Good morning, John. Yeah, you and Jeremy were talking about how we have slightly fewer cars than last year. Well, we're down about 13. Last year, we started the weekend off with 35 cars. This year, we only have 22. So what does that mean for the teams on the pit lane? It means they get a little bit more space. The pit boxes last year were 24 feet. And instead of a penalty box, we had a penalty trapezoid because that was all the space that could be allotted on the pit lane. Every other box was full. This year, 27-foot boxes for each of the teams. And with only eight GTLM cars, that means we have several prototypes lined up nose astern at pit entrance for our cars. It's going to be very busy if we get a caution period for pit stops, but we do have a real penalty box. It is 54 feet long as the core autosport car, the number 54, fires up. John Bennett taking it out for some installation laps in his Orica. It's been busy already this morning, and there's a, a little bit of debris around the track still. Figure that, John, but the 10 car, the Wayne Taylor Racing, managed to pick up a playing card somewhere around the track. They pulled an ace of spades 
grenades from the windshield wiper. <laughs> that's pretty, that's, pretty that's cool. more to head for you straight away there, isn't it? Jeremy Shaw. Yeah, no, uh, Shay, uh, Shay Adam, thank you. It, you bring up a great point there about the size of the pit boxes here because it was ridiculously busy in pit lane last season. I know that you found that, and it's, it's the same for the teams, of course. Yeah, they're trying to get work done. There'll be uh, probably just one pit stop during the race tomorrow, but uh, the, 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 if there is a caution period, it's going to be super busy down there. Uh, and so the fact there are fewer cars that are going to make that whole uh, pit lane activity a lot safer and hopefully a lot cleaner as well. And you know, for everybody involved, teams, drivers uh, and officials come to that, uh, it's, it's, it's a benefit to have not too many cars on the road track. And hey, look, it only takes two cars to have a really, really good race, doesn't it? And we've got a lot more than that here this weekend. That's what they say about motor racing, isn't it? When did it start? Uh, when somebody built the second car. It really does. Uh, it really has in the past given us fantastic racing. Here, at times coming in, these don't stand for anything other than a bit of bragging rights right now. Expect the prototypes, of course, to be at the front. I've had a long chat with the IMSA technical team over the last couple of days that we've been in town, and they've been crunching numbers and the percentage differences between the prototypes and uh, in class and the GT cars in class are negligible. Now, given that we've come from different circuits, things still perhaps working their way through. And one of the things that the DPI style cars have an advantage over their global P2 brethren is that they're allowed to change the suspension and the dampers whilst the global cars can't and that of course on bumpy circuits like Sebring and here on the streets of Long Beach is going to give them more tunability I've just made that word up sorry uh, ability to tune the car to the conditions more usually words kind of uh, already seeing some penalty violations going out of the pits the 99 and the 85 both prototypes and team cars the JDC machines just uh, not respecting the blend line tell you what Jeremy I'd forgotten how loud it was here standing above the uh, the start finish line as we are right next to one of the crossover bridges as the cars rattle out of the final hairpin and the other thing is I drove out on a Tuesday or Wednesday night I'd forgotten just how tight that hairpin is as well. Yeah. Until you go back to it and look at it close up. How do you get race cars around there? Well, with, diffi with great difficulty, uh, uh, because uh, a lot of the teams, certainly in the Indy cars, actually, they have to put a completely different steering rack in the yeah. in the car for this, just for this, just for that corner on this racetrack. Not sure about these, to be honest, this, these days, uh, whether they have a, a special rack or not. But uh, it it is very very tight, and it's it's one of those corners that. It sort of flatters to deceive, if you like. It it uh, gives drivers the thought that they can dive down the inside and make a pass there at the hairpin. Well, if you do that, uh, you might not make, be able to have enough lock to get around the, the corner and, and onto the front straightaway. You have to give it plenty of plenty of right foot halfway around and kick the back end out in order to give you enough uh, turning circle. So it is a very, very tricky corner, but it is uh, also you know, one of the signature points here on this Long Beach right. racetrack. Yes, absolutely. So you're listening to RS2 IMSA Radio. We're live from trackside in the opening moments of the 
third round of the IMSA competition for 2018. This is the Bubba Burger Grand Prix, Sports Car Grand Prix of Long Beach. And at the moment, it is the number five Cadillac straight out. A couple of laps of them back into the pits from Philippe Alderkirk that leads the times. Expect the GT cars to be pretty quick around here. They have a lot of what's called mechanical grip. That means they don't rely on the aerodynamic effect as perhaps the prototypes do. A problem down on the far side of the circuit for one of the Masters that's just gone straight on at turn six and off the circuit. Didn't see the number of the car. Let me quickly skim down and see if I can work out which one it was. It might have been Ollie Jarvis in the 77. He is out there. Whereas I think Jonathan, oh, Jonathan Bomberino has just gone out. So it could have been either, either or. Right, now moving slowly as it heads down towards the back straight, closest to the city streets here. Whilst I tried to work that out, I think it was the 55 car. I'm going to say that now. I've improved. Wrong. Let's head back down for a continental type at the report. Tristan Nunez from Mazda, um, associate with Mazda for a very, very long time. He's now with Shea Adam. And Tristan, for you, it's a new experience this weekend because your co-driver, Oliver Jarvis, he's never been here. So how have you been giving him advice to get up to speed on Long Beach? Yeah, it's a little different, um, me being, I guess, the uh, the mentor for this race. Um, but yeah, no, Ollie's, you know, he's amazing. We, we did some... Uh, some sessions at the uh, DIL, the driver in the loop simulator uh, up in Canada. So he, he was able to get some uh, some side pictures uh, so he doesn't wasn't too lost around here. But I'm sure he's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a daunting track. A lot of a lot of concrete around you, not a lot of runoff. So I'm sure he's having a uh, time out there. Um, but he, he'll get up to speed, I have no doubt about it. A daunting track, but you managed to come away from here with the trophy last year. You feel like with the improvements of the car, a win is attainable. Yeah, you know, it's it's really exciting to be here, uh, given how it how we placed last year. I mean, we we weren't really competitive all year except this track last year. So um, now that we have all the upgrades uh, with the car and the team, I think you know, leading up to this race, I was super excited. I think everyone was too. So um, I, I'm just excited to get to tomorrow and see. Uh, what happens at the end of the race. Are you enjoying the fact that your co-driver has never been here before because it means you don't have to do the track sweeping effectively. He can go out there for the first hour, learn the track, and then you can get out and set the fast time. Well, that was a little argument we had on the track walk earlier because, you know, I know how bad it is on the the, uh, the first couple laps, and he's not naive to it either. But I was like, you know what? No, you know, it's going to be, uh, everyone's going to be going slow out there. I think it's good if you go out there and sweep the track for me. So uh, we <laughs> managed to get away with that one. I don't think I'm going to get that lucky the rest of the year, though. Good luck this weekend. We'll be looking for the 77 in victory lane. That's right. You better keep watching for us. Thank you, Shea. Shea Adam down on the pit lane with that Continental pit lane report. It's John Hindoff and Jeremy Shaw in the booth in these uh, opening exchanges. Philippe Nasser has just gone quickest in the number 31 prototype. That's another one of the Cadillacs. 121.7. But Philippe Albuquerque back out. Uh, no, he's not still in the pit lane. So, uh, but interestingly, the fastest third sector time, which is the twisty bits at the end of the track, around about 24, 25 seconds, held by a GT car. Earl Bamba in the 912 has that fastest sector, as he's just put in a 122.790, so about a second away from the best of the Cadillacs. One of the things to watch out for all weekend here 
is the minimum corner speeds uh, through particularly the tighter corners because the GT cars will be as quick and possibly even quicker than the prototypes and, and we've seen that cause issues here in the past for the unwary Jeremy yes indeed uh, it, it, the uh, Michelin rubber on the GTLM cars works really really well the the uh, aerodynamics on those cars are quite sophisticated and uh, the cars are very quick through the corners here uh, but the prototype certainly had the legs on the straights and, and under braking as well so you know it's, it's there's not going to be a huge differential between the cars this weekend uh, you talked about that you know, we're now down in the 120s Earl Bamba has just set the fastest time <laughs> of everybody and they won 20.5 still uh, quite a long way away from what we'd expect the track record here was set in qualifying last year by Ricky Taylor that was a woman at 13.5 the fastest race lap also set last year by Ryan Dial in one of the uh, on-road Nissan DPI cars that won 14.3 the best laps of the GTLM contenders Paul last year Jan Magnussen in the Corvette the won 16.9 and Dirk Mueller fastest race lap at a 117.9 so uh, yeah there's about what three seconds or so between the fastest of the prototype cars and the fastest of the GTLM cars and I would expect that differential to be pretty similar this weekend certainly but I would also expect to see new track records this year. Last year was the first year, was it not, for the DPI cars in the prototype division. And uh, with the year's development, I would certainly expect those cars to go quicker. And just talking, we heard from Tristan Nunez about the Mazda. Yes, everybody, I think, is expecting that car to be faster this weekend. It was certainly fast at Sebring, did a really good job there. Uh, they ended up with, uh, as Shayana was telling us, with the fastest lap of the race with Ollie Jarvis. And for this weekend, uh, it, the, the balanced performance uh, whereby all the cars are kind of equated in performance because they're all so different in their, in, in their concepts. The Mazdas are carrying a little bit more weight this weekend than they were at sea. an extra 10 kilos uh, on the uh, on the, uh, the Mazda R224Ps. Don't expect that to make a huge amount of difference, but 10 kilos is 10 kilos. And there's certainly any extra weight costs you a little bit on track time. You say that's somebody who doesn't need to lose 10 kilos, Jeremy. <laughs> say, I do, so 10 kilos is 10 kilos, but you feel the difference. Yes. Hauling an extra, what's that, you know, four and a half, five bags of sugar around in all uh, money. Oh, yeah. Albuquerque back to the top of the 20 flat. Philippe Nazir responding. So Cadillac, Nissan, Mazda, the top three at the moment. Now, for those of you here at the track and hear us talking about these different prototypes, important to understand the difference between the two concepts that Jeremy was talking about. If I take the, the global cars, they're the cars that would run at Le Mans and in the World Endurance Championship, the European Le Mans series. So that's it, it is a 118.8, comfortably the quickest time this morning. ELMS at Paul Ricard this weekend. You can hear that over on our sister channel, RS3. Johnny Palmer heading up our coverage, live coverage of that on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. So those cars are one of four chassis and a standardised Gibson engine, a spec engine and gearbox driveline, etc. The four chassis manufacturers mandated by the regulations they threw their names into a hat along with their 
tender to become one of the four what a couple of seasons ago now so those cars were exactly as you would see racing in Europe in the World Endurance Championship in the ELMS and at LMP2 level at Le Mans for the 24 hours IMSA have taken those four chassis and basically said to car manufacturers right there's your basis but have at it have to still use one of the same four chassis but you can change quite a lot the engine and the bodywork is the most obvious so we've got Cadillac providing a 5.5 litre V8 engine we've got Nissan with the twin turbo effectively the GTR race engine the GT3 version we've got bespoke engines from Mazda and from Acura with the two Penske cars and bodywork that is distinctively different and has what are termed styling cues from the manufacturers concerned there's other detailed changes allowed including around the suspension as we were talking about earlier so all the prototypes looking vaguely similar in the fact that they look like they're being dropped from outer space but these are prototype cars there's no minimum number to make them legal if you want to just build one of them you could and they are the thoroughbreds if you will they are designed with one thing in mind and one thing only and that is to go very fast very reliably up to and including of course 24 hours at Rolex 24 hour of the morning etc and the DPI Daytona prototype international part of that prototype category has been a roaring success for IMSA bringing in those manufacturers that I've already mentioned into top line sports car racing here in the United States with at least a couple of other manufacturers waiting in the wings to make their presence known things aren't going to get any less exciting anytime soon it's been a real success story for IMSA and uh, fact it's done so well that it's influencing the thinking for the next level of prototype regulations for Le Mans and the World Series. Now whilst I've been explaining that, Philip Albuquerque, people Durrani and Ryan DL have been disputing the top spots and now Philip Albuquerque decides that uh, he's going to take his Cadillac down to a 117.3 Jeremy which in early running is not exactly hanging about is it? No it's not is it? Uh, like I say the, the track record here is in the 13s so I certainly wouldn't expect uh, that uh, to get anywhere near that until the latter stages of this session. Interesting also that both of the Mazdas are now on pit lane, number 55 and 77. I fancy they've probably just done their sort of kind of exploratory laps and uh, you know, they, they know that the track is going to change so much. Correct. New team running that mm -hmm. car this year since the last time that they were here. It's now Joost, Reinhold Joost, Ralf Jutner, and the team that have been behind... Uh, Audi down through the years at Le Mans and here in the US as well of course with the uh, older version of the IMSA cars uh, at the top of the time for the moment Philip Albuquerque and Pipo Durrani neither have been here before Ryan DL has and he just nips into second place Cadillac Nissan Nissan with the two ESM the green and black cars Tequila Patron sponsored 
sitting in behind the number five Cadillac, 5-2-22, then Philippe Nasir, the 31 Cadillac, fourth position. Then it's the charge of the GT cars. Now, the GT cars are all based on vehicles that we would love to have in our respective garages. Porsche, Chevy Corvette, Ford GT, BMW with their brand new for 2018 M8 Coupe. Allowed within the regulations to do quite a lot of changes to those cars. They are by no means street stock and will give the prototypes a run for their money early on, I think, here when grip is at a premium. Fifth and sixth at the moment are the two Porsches. Although the Porsches have changed the relative positions of their engines and gearbox and moved the engine further back into the car this year completely. Well, last couple of years actually completely allowed by the regs. You could actually have a front engine Porsche, but why would you do that? Well, front engine 911, why would you do that? But they are still exhibiting those traditional Porsche 911 grip, monsters of grip around street circuits and punching out with the slow and the medium corners. Third in GT at the moment, Tom Milner in the number four Chevy Corvette. My goodness, they've got a great history here on the streets of Long Beach as well as have BMW no Bill Orbeler this weekend who's won this race the most times of any of the BMW drivers he's just in the longer race races this year for Rahal Letterman Lanigan BMW Jesse Krohn fresh from very good run last weekend at the Nürburgring Nordschleifer in the second round of the VLN the endurance series that runs exclusively on the Nürburgring Nordschleifer Yes, he going through to a very well-judged finish last weekend there. Which we were covering as well. Uh, then it's Conor De Felipe, then it's Ryan, Ryan Briscoe in the fourth. And it's Dirk Muller, because he's just jumped up, actually, in the third position in the 66 cars that we were talking there. Yeah, talking of Conor De Felipe, he's, he's, uh, he's been here several times in the past. He lives just down the, down the coastline in, uh, in St. Clemente. But uh, he's never been in a race car around here before. So it's a big thrill for Connor to be back here this weekend. He's done most of his racing over the last few years, of course, in Europe, driving for a, uh, well, most of the German factory teams, actually, with, um, uh, with a Porsche and Audi over the last three or four years. Now thrilled to be joining BMW this season and have the opportunity to race full-time in the in North America again for, for, for the first time in a while. So he'll have a lot of support this weekend for Colony Felipe in that calibre 25. Another man who we've seen flying his trade on the Nordschleifer and doing some of the longer endurance races as well to some effect. Last weekend he won actually, didn't he, at the, at the, on Nordschleifer for, for row racing. His first with Jesse Krohn, yeah. With Jesse Krohn, yeah, with his uh, first time uh, in, the, in with that team on that track and came away with the victory in the BLN race at Nürburgring, so he really is on a roll right now. Right Beautifully now, judged race that was as well, Jeremy, for the new Rover Racing uh, BMW squad. Uh, they played the tactics in that four-hour race absolutely perfectly. It's a pretty nice day, great competition. Mantai did have one car that had an, an issue for Porsche, bent the front end of a car, uh, coming onto the Donegal Hur, the very fast straight towards the end of the Nordschleifer lap that took them out of contention but take nothing away from Jesse Krohn and from Conor De Felipe they drove immaculately in a again 175 car field let's not forget yeah. 
Um, really that many cars. Yeah. 27 laps completed in the uh, four hours. One fewer than what we normally get, sort of eight minutes lap. There's quite a lot of incident out there, which slowed the, the race pace down a bit. And even that guy had an incident, didn't he, in practice? They had to rebuild the car overnight before the race. I, I, I said, I, I was emailing back and forth with John, and I, I asked him, you know, what was the deal with that? Didn't respond to me on that one. So, was it either? I don't know who crashed uh, I think it was. Is it it might have been. <laughs> CDP, yes. Um, hey, but uh, it was a great comeback by the team, and I know that I know I, I get, understand the team is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, and don't forget, we've got uh, Paul Trusswell and Bruce Jones on duty this Sunday over in Europe for the six-hour Nurburgring qualifying race on the Radio Show Limited Network channels. Sound and vision together for pretty much everything we're doing this weekend. These early sessions of the IMSA Bubba Burger Sports Car Grand Prix of Long Beach in audio only but we'll be adding video from qualifying onwards and if you're here in the US you'll be able to see the whole of the race on Saturday here from the streets of Long Beach on Fox on main Fox international viewers on IMSA.tv and via the video player at RadioLeMond.com that's also where you'll find the Mission and Le Mans Cup qualifying and race on the weekend from Ricard and ELMS qualifying and race as well as that Sunday six-hour qualifying race from the Nürburgring. That's all live and free. No geo-blocks, no breaks, just the action on the Radio Show Limited network. Sound and vision together. Go to RadioLamont.com and check the schedule, which does, if you've got the bottom of the uh, homepage there, it does auto-convert to your time zone. No excuse not to see all the a action this weekend. And if you have to make a choice, don't forget that we will have it all on our free archive for you so you can play catch up later on in the weekend time still coming down with Philippe Nazir heading into the pits for the Cadillac number 31 team having clocked a 15-2 and is now a second ahead of the field let's head down for a continental time pit lane report Joao Barbosa is with Shea Adam Joao last night you were joking with Philippe saying you were going to give him the first in you actually did but you stayed down here what has he been saying back about the car? Well, it's the first time here, so he's just getting comfortable with the track and with the car here. So he's just taking his time to learn the track. Uh, obviously, there's other ways we can learn, but nothing its better than actually sitting, uh, being sitting in the car and drive around. So he's doing a good job. It seems like he picked up the track pretty, pretty well. And the track just keeps getting better. It was very, very dirty. We got uh, a puncture with like some kind of debris on the track that punctured a tire, but apart that, everything else running very smooth. With eight sets of tires for the weekend, is there any sort of worry about going through all of your sets? No, not really. I mean, it's really a short race, right? It's a sprint race. So, I mean, as long as we don't have any misfortune like this and uh, getting some debris on track that cuts a tire, we should be more than good, you know. So, it's a very um, easy track on the tires. So obviously, the grip level is not very high because uh, it's a street course. So, the, the effort on the tire is not that big. So, I mean, it's going to be a sprint race. going to be one or two stops at the most. So, uh, we're going to have plenty of tires left, continental tires left to go all the way to the end. This is the first weekend without Christian in a fire suit sharing a car with you. How weird is it to see him in jeans during one of these sessions? I know. I saw him, uh, I saw him uh, in our hauler when we were getting all dressed. And it was like kind of a different feeling not seeing him. Uh, hearing him saying, uh, we go, I'm going to the turns and watch the cars and uh, I'll let you guys what I think. So it's kind of a different feeling. But I mean, it's like uh, I said before, 
the, the goal of the Action Express is still the same. I think Kristen can be a very valuable from the outside and we're just going to do our best and try to win races and championships. Good luck to the All Portuguese number five this weekend. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Obrigado. Obrigado. Very good. Shea Adam down there in the pit lane. It's Ralph. Do you know, other than the colour of his hair, which is getting a little greyer now, Joao's hardly changed in all the time I've known. I remember when he first burst onto the scene with Rule set in the back of the UK, Martin Short giving him these, his big break, taking him to Le Mans. And he is still the same guy I remember, still happy to be at a race, any day at a racetrack, big smile. He's like a, he's like a kid on Christmas Day every time I see him. Yeah, it's great. I mean, they're good, great they're, they're such a good little group there at Action Express Racing. I think the, you know, Karen Russell has put together you know, the, the, a really good mix of personalities. I saw to see them on last night, they're all heading back uh, uh, to uh, to the hotel. They say it's the same hotel I am, and they, they walked back in through the hotel, and uh, they wanted to come along to the dinner last night. We were talking about that, they can't really the time, but they couldn't because they had it. Had my, friends, yes. my point here is that you know, they're just all really nice guys. They get along together, uh, and it's, it's those the fact that there is no clash of personalities, the fact they do get along so well, is why they have so much success in this whole race. I think, I think you're absolutely right there. I should say a happy birthday today, by the way, to Ryan Diel, who's celebrating a couple of... Uh, sorry, that was yesterday, wasn't it? Um, a couple of birthdays this week. Johannes van Overbeck tomorrow. And what it is about this time of the year, but... It would have been uh, Dan Gurney's birthday today. It would have been uh, today, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Dan, as uh, mentioned last night, the, the road racing driver put on its annual dinner last it's night. Splendid, Jeremy. Uh, Dan, Dan Gurney was, was the first honorary back in 2009. Uh, this is, this, last night, of course, the first one he wasn't at, but uh, it, was it was just really weird for all of us that knew Dan fairly well because he was one of the first people I met for over 30 years ago. And how much of a gentleman he was, and just yes. a just a really great guy. It was wonderful to see uh, Justin and Alex uh, to the sunset last night, uh, enjoying it. And the other guy who wasn't there last night was, was very much was Jones, who was second on the in uh, in 2010. And uh, unfortunately, had a bit of a tumble at home last weekend, so he knocked himself down in a major crash. Um, Bobby Rehal, Master of Ceremonies last night, and the chat with Johnny at the end is absolutely brilliant. And I, I have to put my hand up and say, I took my dinner menu up there and stood in line to get the great man's signature because, you know, I remember reading about Johnny's We didn't see it, there was no internet. You read about it the week after, or sometimes two weeks after, yeah. in in the motorsport magazines and you know, that's how I followed the motor racing in those days as many people did for the American scene um, back, in, back in Europe 
didn't see it on the telly. And so it was a, a real, a real, real honour for me to meet Johnny Rutherford last night. And he did sign my uh, dinner menu as well, as did Mr. Ray. Yeah, really, really good. I'll be on the wall at home in the yeah. studio by the next time we uh, come out here. Mario Andretti was there as well last night. And they took uh, and, and they took about the cars of that era. That was the first time I'd actually seen the Chevron team. Oh, the yellow submarine, yeah. Yeah, the yellow submarine, just what a nice car. And uh, Gordon Kimball, who was uh, part of the design team on, on that car, and Jim Hall uh, from Chaparral Cars, they, they were both there last night. It was just a tremendous, tremendous evening. Great. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway sent over the, uh, the Chaparral, and uh, thanks to Rob Dyson, also in 2016, in which Johnny finished second in the 500 in 1975. It was the first time I've actually seen the, the Chaparral, I think, because... And the beautiful detailed work of how that rear wing is contiguous from the sideboard to just go straight up. It, you know, yeah. a, a good looking race car is often a quick race car, but that is right, front, front, right at the front, your feet right out over the front suspension. I mean, you never wanted to run into a wall with one of those. My goodness. But other than that, Car still looks contemporary. You could roll it out and go, oh yeah, yeah, that's an indie car. Yeah. You would have known straight away. Beautiful but it Yeah, it really was a, a trend-setting car at the time. And you know, Gordon Kibble was there, like I say, last night. And he was Gordon, I think believe it was Gordon and uh, Kenny Hill, amongst other guys from here from Southern California, actually, who uh, were a lot, very much involved in designing that car, particularly the skirts underneath it. Because that was really the first ever, first true ground effect car to race here in North America. And it was very much a groundbreaking. Oh, yeah, just in that Pentor livery, the bright yellow, yellow submarine, as you, you say, it's just a fabulous car. It's so cool to see it. Thanks to Robert Davis and uh, John Doonan for my invitation. And had a, a cracking time with those guys, the master guys, complete gear heads. And do so much for the ladder system and the master road to Indy. And the master road to 24. And the master road to 24. Well, yeah. and, and not just being lip surface, putting real money into that and uh, thanks for that invitation and for everything that Mazda and all the other sponsors, uh, Honda Firestone yesterday evening putting hands in pockets and making that event work and uh, a goodly amount of money I hope was raised to Jeremy for safest fast and for Team USA haven't done, done, done the calculation yet. We've certainly got some great bits of some artwork, artwork around the room provided by some of the, you know, the world's top photographers uh, who were kind enough to, uh, to, to give us those pictures and then we kind of them up into poster board size and, and auction them off. And uh, and Randy Owens, you know, what a, what a character Randy is. He, he did the, the big stage backdrop of the original painting of the uh, Chapinal 2K. And why wasn't Johnny taken by that? Yeah. I don't think he expected no, that, Jeremy. No, 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 I gave it all those things. It was really good. It was a guest book that you signed a guest book. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And the guest books that were signed by every, as many people as you could get during the night. There was a lot of signatures in there. And uh, he was, yeah, he was blown away by those. Problem for the yellow submarine here, unfortunately. The JDC Miller Motorsport car taking the shortcut back to the pits. And... Strange that we shouldn't be talking about uh, iconic yellow cars. He's actually just taken the very last shortcut into the pit lane from the turn 10 11 area. But that car came in very slowly. We'll get Shea to have a look 
uh, at that. In the meantime, the number 911 has a track, has a lap time disallowed for a violation of track limits, effectively. There are many places that you can go off the track here, but whoever was, it's Nick Tandy using the 911. Nick's found somewhere to gain an advantage, typical of the Englishman, has his roots in short oval racing, so if he can find a a shortcut, he will. I'm surprised he wasn't there last night, actually. I think he had a function to go to, Nick, because yeah. he'd loved, there was a lot of short, big short track contingent there at dinner last night, which is really cool. People like Sleepy Trip and uh, Jeff Haywood, who's uh, won CRA, uh, California Racing Station, sprints cars out here. And fabulous to see Kenny Schrader, uh, who, who's still racing, by the way. I remember Kenny, uh, when he was racing it, I, I saw him race a, a, a NASCAR stock car out at Riverside Raceway back in the late 80s and he and he flew in here especially last night to be here with, uh, with Nick Gomerick who's, who's sprint cars and midgets he for many years been a huge amount of success and Kenny told me he's, he's actually racing today back, back east somewhere he took a red eye last night back to go race again today what a character Kenny Trader fantastic fun to, fun to see him our banana port the yellow prototype is in the pit lane Shane was there any signs of damage there? no sign of damage it was not out of fuel the engine was still running and Robert Alon pulled up, hit his marks, then casually turned the engine off. He's still sitting in the car. Now he begins to extract himself. Uh, the crew took the wing off and then the engine cover, and they are checking the intakes to make sure that they are clear, but there's nothing visible on this. There, okay. There's nothing screaming that it's damaged or broken. should mention for those of you not at the track, or even if you are, you can get in touch with us here in the IMSA Radio Broadcast Centre by tweeting us at IMSA Radio, all one word. And uh, now that I've remembered, I've got the screen up and running. So thank you for everybody who's been uh, tweeting in already uh, this morning. That's for the all day, quarter past eight here, Pacific time, at the Bubba Burger Sports Car Grand Prix of Long Beach. Now, Nick Tandy was at the uh, the Circle Porsche event on Wednesday that uh, I was at, Jeremy, up at the Porsche Experience Centre at Carson. Fantastic facility up there. Has a little test track and uh, off-road circuits, simulator rooms, two, well, a, a cafe and a fine dining destination restaurant, the 917 restaurant, 917 restaurant. And uh, we had a great evening up there. Thanks to everyone from Circle Porsche down here at Long Beach for putting that on. Splendid evening. Shea's first time up there at the cars, the Porsche cars in there. There was a John Fitzpatrick Kramer Porsche 911. A little green Kermit green car, which I just wanted to have wrapped and taken home. Absolutely beautiful, as well as one of the early DHL-sponsored uh, Penske Spiders. Brumos. Brumos cars in there, plus the red-white Le Mans 919 hybrid from the Mark Webber era, and just loads of other lovely, lovely, lovely cars. Always a real festival of motorsport feel to our event here at Long Beach. Really, those of you who aren't here at the track, one that you should put on your tick list. I know the race is quite short, but there's so much going on, and whilst we're talking about Porsche. There is the Porsche exhibition going on at the moment as well, isn't there, Jeremy, at the uh, at the museum? 
which is, uh, I think, on for about another month or so. Which uh, I was going to try and pop up and see yesterday, but time rather overtook me. Here, looking after some of the technical bits and bobs at the track, and uh, thanks, by the way, to uh, Tyler and Brian, our usual technical team, as well as all the guys from Frontier Telecommunications for helping us get the broadcast centre set up for our live Midway Motorsport on Wednesday and for our live and uninterrupted coverage of the racing this weekend. Still an hour and 20 minutes to go here, so if you're wondering why Jeremy and I are blithering on a little bit, not talking about too much on the track, there's not that many changes going on. It is the seven Acura that nicked to the top whilst we were talking with a 14-8 and now just popping in the second, Jordan Taylor in the 10, that's the shiny black Konica Minolta Cadillac, Acura Cadillac Nissan with Ryan DL birthday boy yesterday in third position. Fourth, Philippe Nazir in the 31 Cadillac. Fifth, Harry Tinkle in the 55 Mazda. Sixth, Philippe Albuquerque in the 5 Cadillac. And I'm still going at that point because the top six are separated by less than half a second in lap time at the moment. Yeah, and getting down to some good lap times now. These are certainly representative times. 1.14.8 there for, for 1.14.8 for Ricky Taylor. And uh, you know, Rick Taylor, Jordan Taylor at the front of the charts. We were kind of used to that last several years since we watched uh, the uh, number five Mustang sampling Cadillac trying to get around the Red Dragon uh, Orica coming on to Seaside Way. Uh, but the, we're used to see the Taylor boys at the front. They've won this race each of the last three years. But uh, this year, for the first time, they're uh, in different cars. And there they were for a few moments there, first and second on the charts. That was kind of cool. Emily Castro-Devers has now taken over from the, in the number seven car from Ricky Taylor. So he's going to get his first experience around this Long Beach racetrack in a prototype car. Lots of lots of success here in the uh, Indy cars over the years. And now his first time around Long Beach in a prototype. Purple sector time there for Tristan Nunez in the number 77 Mazda. So he pops up into the top four. Uh, with a 1 minute 15.2 and we've now got seven cars John within a half a second at the front this is cool this is, this is exactly, exactly what, what we expected expect. it is isn't it yeah. and the top 14 are now the 14 prototypes all 22 cars coming to Felipe yeah no, they've done a lap it's yeah, that car was, they, they were very laid out. They did yeah. one kind of exploration that early on, and then they sat in the pits for quite a long He's while. He's just so. got back out of here now. Has he? Okay, cool. Uh, the car was plugged in, Chair Adam telling me, from the pit lane there. The GTLM's home, led by the moment uh, by Porsche, Earl Bamba's time from earlier, the 118.5. Richard Westbrook going out in the second place, Chip Ganassi, 67. Then Nick Tandy in the second of the Porsches. Then Tonio Garcia in the first of the Chevy Corvettes. Then Dirk Muller in the 66 Ford GT. Then Tom Milner in the second of the Corvettes and the two BMWs 24 and 25. Jesse Kron and Conor de Felipe now both out on track sharing a car last weekend at the Nürburgring Nordschleifer. Take the two BMWs out and there's eight tenths of a second between the top six. The BMW still coming up to speed with that brand new car for 2018. It's the new M8 Coupe that they'll be taking to Le Mans yet to make its European debut was at the Paul Ricard circuit last week for the WEC Prologue, their pre-season test campaign, completed the 30-hour test there as well, 
and there'll be news uh, later today. In fact, I'll just check with London to see if we're past the embargo, but some news coming to us from uh, Aston Martin about their plans for the Nürburgring 24, which you can hear the qualifying race tomorrow on the Radio Show Limited Network. That will be on RS1, Channel RS1, Paul and Bruce. And of course, we'll have the whole of the Nürburgring 24 in sound and vision, of course, for you in May. Before I give something up that isn't supposed to be up, I better check. I hate doing time change on the fly. Afternoon embargo back in the UK. Philippe Albuquerque back at the top for Cadillac number five with a 14-5. And all of a sudden that puts the top seven within oh, three quarters of a second of each other. He's just pulled out a couple of tenths on the field. Remember, city streets for most of the year here at Long Beach. And this weekend, unusually for the IMSA runners, a big variety of tyre rubber going down onto the track. So even as the track cleans up and becomes less green, as the drivers call it, slight mistake for... John Bennett in the core Autosport prototype. He's gone straight on. That's at six, is it? No, no, these, no, no that's seven. Uh, the seven because this, I can see the street in the background. I'm just we're yes. parked just around the corner from there. I was going to see my car from here. Yeah, the, an interesting one for both Continental and Michelin, the two two tyre companies for IMSA, Jeremy. Continental, you know, normally providing the tyres for most of the field at IMSA, and as the weekend goes on. The track rubbers in for the prototypes. It's not going to be quite the same this weekend. Um, almost as many Michelin runners as there are Continentals in terms of the IMSA runners, but with a huge variety of other tyre manufacturers. Nobody's really going to get optimum conditions here, even when the track's at its very best come race day. Uh, so it does make things pretty tricky for the uh, engineers and drivers because uh, the, you know, the rubber does get laid down on the racetrack just so it picks it up naturally as the cars. So it does get laid down and, and the different characteristics from the different kinds of rubber laid down are noticeable by the drivers. It's Jeremy Shaw. John Heindorf, Shea Adams, Connell Tar Pit Lane. Happy birthday as well, by the way. I think it's today, the Darren Turner, not here this weekend. Getting ready for a very busy 2018. Not necessarily just all in the WEC. That's one of the uh, announcements that we'll be catching up on tomorrow in our coverage from the Nürburgring. Pete Motorani is out of the car on his first visit to the streets of Long Beach for... That ESM Tequila Patron shit, Adam, has this Continental Tap here before? People, first off, congratulations, another one at Sebring. How long did it take for you to stop partying over that win? Yeah, I, I was really happy, but you know, as my dad is sick, I've been home with him, so not not partying much, just uh, spending my time with him, but obviously really happy to have won the last race, coming here to Long Beach now, the first uh, sprint race of the of the season. Just had my first few laps here, which uh, seems very nice. 
Um, still a lot to process in the mind uh, for being a street for not being on a street circuit for a long time. But uh, so far, it's an amazing track, and I'm looking forward to the weekend. It's not a long track. It's not a particularly corner-filled track, but it is complicated. What did you think about your first few laps? It feels. It feels, you know, a bit bumpy on some braking areas, which uh, obviously make it for more uh, difficulty for us. But uh, it's not that much of a complicated track so far. I think it's fine. <laughs> 912 Porsche deafening us. Uh, but so far, so good. I'm looking forward to the race. I'm trying to understand where I can pass, where where are the you know passing places here in the track. But should be a fun weekend. ESM was very strong last year. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Share Adam down in the pit lane with uh, Pete Duran. Sorry to hear that Pete was dad hasn't been very well. I had a bit of that myself over Christmas and uh, in the early part of the year. We wish. Uh, people and his family all the best on that one to concentrate but things aren't uh, going according to plan back at home so well done to him for compartmentalising and coming out to race with us this weekend people I thought of you and your dad mate season. Scott Sharp and Brian Dialcalier in second place one year ago and were certainly in contention to win that, weren't they? They were very, very fast indeed. And it was Ryan Dialcalier who set the fastest lap of the race, which was a new race lap record, 114.3 one year ago. And Philippe Albuquerque has just gone to win within a tenth of a second of that lap time. Showing this morning's practice at 114.4182 now for Philippe Albuquerque, his teammate Philippe Nazar just, uh, well, six thousandths of a second in drift for that one, 14.424 for car number 31 in second place. In GT, it is uh, still the 912 Porsche, Earl Bamba, still clocking up the laps, has done uh, 19 laps. And his best lap a couple of laps ago was an 18.5, Richard Westbrook in the 67 Ford in second, 911 in Tandy. So, Drivers getting good long runs in this early session here, Jeremy. I, th I think that's not the worst idea. Get the guys, get a guy in, get him used to it. Probably halfway through the session, sort of 10 minutes time, swap over to the second driver, give him the second half of the session. Yeah, well, they might, they might well do another switch, actually, before the end of the session. It's two hours. It's a good long session. I think probably give one driver a better part of an hour in the middle and then they get the other guy back in again to see how the, the conditions have changed from the early laps this morning, I think would be quite significant. So, good opportunity to get uh, both drivers in later in the session. Uh, Philippe Nazar is on a really, really good lap right now. He's got, uh, he's gone uh, blue in the first sector, which is a personal best. Uh, purple in sector two, which is a uh, fastest session, the fastest for anybody in the session. Just waiting for him now to complete this lap, which means 29th lap around here. And I was expecting to go to the top of the charts uh, at uh, at this stage, we want to just not uh, quite halfway through this two-hour practice session. We didn't improve, actually. Oh, he came in the pit lane. That's yes, why. he did. Uh, he was so. on for a high 13, I think, there, Jeremy, because he'd taken a couple of tenths yeah. out of his best times in sectors one and two. So we're, we're getting down to the sort of level of lap record pace. Uh, still, what, a second or so away from it at the moment, but that's not bad this early on. 
as to show how hard the teams have been working through the off-season. Continental have a new tyre for 2018 as well that was introduced recently. It's their last season of competition with us in the IMSA series. Great to see these prototypes back on the streets. There is just something very sexy indeed about racing on city streets. And they've been doing it here at Long Beach for a very long time, and they do it very well indeed. Yeah, 44th edition this weekend. Which is, How many uh, have you been there, Jeremy? Uh, 86 would have been my first one. Right. So, uh, oh, 9-11 has been in the wall. Uh, this is Nick Tandy. And he's just scraped off. I thought there was some body damage to the 9-11 there, but in fact, I think it's just part of the Firestone banner on one of the tyre wraps. He's right in front of one of the Porsche intervention vehicles. Uh, this is on the latter part turn of the eight. circuit, so that's mm. turn eight, isn't it? And he's having to reverse to keep the car out of harm's way, and he should be able to do either a little flick turn or go into the pits backwards through the cutout. And he's doing the latter. Very smartly done, Mr. Tandy. Don't see any damage to the immaculately turned out RSR. And there is a red flag. The red flag has come out. It'll be a quickie red flag as Nick snicks first gear and heads back round to the hairpin. And primarily probably to, to remove that, that banner, as you were saying yes. there, in, uh, pretty much on the apex of turn eight. So that needs to be got out of the way. Elio Castro-Neves was on a very decent lap indeed. And... Back and put in the fastest middle sector by a couple of thousandths, a couple of tenths off in the first sector from what Philippe Nazar had done earlier on. But that uh, Acura in third position, the Penske Acura, breaking up the Cadillac domination at the top. Cadillac 5 from Cadillac 31, from Acura 7, from Cadillac number 10, Renga van der Zander, Ryan DL, the first of the Nissans, then the two Masters in lockstep, 77 and 55. Then Juan Montoya in the number six Penske Acura in eighth position. Van Overbeck for Nissan. Then the Misha Goikberg driven 99 Oreca. Sebastian Saavedra was last in the, in fact, just comes into the pits now. On the red flag on the 52 Ligier. And 911's back in the pit lane and Shea Adam is standing to the back of the car. Come to you in just a moment, Shea, because get the opportunity, thanks to our colleagues, to see that Nick just actually was a little bit late into the right-hander and when he applied the throttle, just squirted the back end around and just scraped the sponsor banner on the left rear, which is where you're looking at now. Yeah, he uh, discolored the car. There's a bit of blue, a bit of orange where the white normally is, and uh, black where, well, the back of the car should be black. It's now orange. Um, but they have a slight bit of diffuser damage. The left side has actually come loose. Nothing that can't be fixed with some racer's tape, and that's exactly what they are applying to the car right now. So they won't be changing any pieces on the car as the green light has come back on at pit exit and cars are being sent back out on the track. So as you rightly said, John, a very quick yellow, but Tandy is now out, and it's Patrick Pile's first opportunity to drive of the weekend. Thank you, Shea. Well done. Uh, I know how difficult it is uh, when you're hearing yourself back on a delay. 
Uh, we'll get that sorted for you in between sessions. They're having a good look at the Michelin tyres uh, that have come off the, or the Michelin tyres come off the left rear, and they in fact are looking at the inside of that tyre and the suspension on that Porsche 911 yeah. RSR. Yeah, that's the thing. They'll be looking at suspension. That was a pretty stout hit, actually. Yeah, it was. The, uh, the left Did he clip the curb as he turned no, in, Jeremy? He just, so. No, he missed the curb. He, he just carried a bit too much speed and missed the apex, ran wide, uh, and then... Uh, I don't know, but he tr tried to give it a bit of a bootful to get the car sideways rather than, than heading straight on into the tyre. I'm not quite sure what, how, what he did there, but uh, the car kind of did a, a revolution around, and as it was, the back end was swinging around, it just clipped the uh, the barriers on the outside, the tyre barrier on the outside. And you know, those tyres do greater to absorb the impact, but also pretty solid as well. And uh, they'll be wanting to check over suspension, uh, particularly on that left wheel. And here on the streets, Jeremy, so many changes of direction. You don't want the slightest bit of geometry out on here. You might say, well, there's not that many fast corners. What difference does it make? Hey, it makes a difference around here when you're talking about inches and not feet. You don't want to be, oh, hang on, I'm a bit loose. Oh, I'm in the wall. So they'll be stringing that car up, not by its fingernails, but uh, putting the alignment tools to make sure that everything's pointing in the right direction. The fan look at the absolute picture as usual this year with the uh, blue and white checkers picked out in the shrubbery. I do like a nice tidy shrubbery, I have to say. And the dolphin doing its thing. Everybody back out on the circuit apart from that. About both of the Porsches. Elio Castro Nevers in the seven acre just waiting for a bit of clear track as is Ryan DL in the number two is more power prototype and Jonathan Bomarino awaits his turn to go out as his colleague Ollie Jarvis in the 55 in the 77 Mazda rather comes down to the scene of Tandy's incident and side by side 67 Ford and the number three Corvette so that would be Richard Westbrook and Jan Magnussen as they went into the braking area at the end of the back straight. The BMWs look great. Yeah, they do. Here. And uh, th there's been a, a slight bal balance performance change in the GTLM coming to this weekend. You remember at uh, Daytona and the Rolex 24, the BMWs pretty much a well, brand new car that was its uh, public debut for first race for that uh, brand new BMW M8 GTLM and the car was was off the pace at Daytona so they had some assistance uh, to get ready get the cars ready for Sebring lost a bit of weight uh, lost well, 20 or 30 kilos actually of weight and uh, also uh, we're giving a bit more turbo boost as well so but uh, it was quite a power day at Sebring perhaps got a bit bit too much help because the cars were, were very very fast and should have won the race quite frankly didn't but should have done uh, and since then we've pegged Jack back just a little bit again now coming into this weekend they've got a slightly little bit less turbo boost particularly at the lower end of the of the rev range so the cars uh, the, the, the performance data that IMSA officials got from Sebring showed that the cars were really leaping off the corners and, uh, of course, that's what you need here yes. at, uh, at Sebring is torque coming off the corners. And that performance data that Jeremy's talking about is gathered by the series with their own sensors for the most part. They don't rely on 
what the teams are giving them, he says. Um, very interesting conversations about some of the new tools in the toolbox for IMSA Technical, including a fuel floor sensor so that they can see what miles per gallon all of the cars are really getting, not just relying on what goes in the tank and what's left at the end. They've got a lambda sensor uh, in there as well. They've got an RPM sensor, which was new for 2018, and that's been very illuminating uh, for the IMSA technical team. So when we talk about these slight changes in how the cars are balanced, the BOP, I know people think BOP is a dirty word, and... It can be if it's done with a finger in the air and all a bit arbitrarily. You can't just balance on the previous result. You've got to go on data. And what IMSA do, do is gather reams of it. And it's about observed performance that is backed up by data. And yeah. I, I, I think over the last couple of seasons, Jeremy, in terms of what we've seen for both the prototypes and latterly the GT cars as well, particularly the GT Le Mans cars, you know, they have gathered a huge amount of data and they've got to be some of the best in the business now. They're, they're doing it and they are transparently doing it and will provide the data to anybody who wants to look at it from the teams. Absolutely right. I mean, yeah, there's always grumbling amongst the yes. teams, but most of it is uh, is not that serious. It's just sort of for sake of it, really, because they, they do, I think, appreciate and realise how good a job the interim officials are doing. And you talk about the, 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 the data they get, and it's real-time data that they oh, have yes. as well. Uh, and the, the fuel sensors, it's Centronics is a company that pr provides those fuel sensors, which is the same company that provides the fuel sensor there for Formula One, ah. uh, I believe. And um, yeah, it's, it's great information, and the officials do a really good job with it. Talk to the guys at the top of any of the teams, and you know, guys have been around a while, like Doug Feehan, who's the project manager for, for Corvette. They'll say, all we want is an opportunity to compete for a win. They expect, in fact, their professionalism demands that they should have to be at their very best to be in with a chance of winning. And balance of performance isn't meant to help out teams who can't deliver performance and execute a game plan. That's, what, that's not what it's for. And if you talk to the guys at the very top of all of these teams, whether it be prototypes at all the GTs, they'll say, give us a chance to compete and we'll back ourselves in strategy, in execution, in our drivers doing the very best that they can with the machinery. And that actually is the very definition of racing, isn't it? There you go. Beautifully put, John. I think you're absolutely, you absolutely hit the nail on the head there. And I'll say from our point of view as well, and I know this gets people excited who'll be listening in on RS2 at Adams and Radio, um, is that the technical team make themselves available to us more than that they'll come and find us the, some of the first people that I saw this week were the guys from IMSA Technical who came over to us in Marion's made sure we knew and seen the bulletins told us what the thought process was before that not necessarily because we're going to repeat it verbatim but to keep us in the loop because that is the open nature of IMSA and more power to their elbow that's very refreshing isn't it, it? Is. Yep. yeah i'll bang the drum for those guys all day and all night i know it's not the more it's the worst job in the paddock um, yeah because there's always going to be somebody who's mad at you uh, uh, yes the always somebody at the end of the race he'll come with one manufacturer cap and t-shirt on another whether it's from a team or a supporter thereof who'll say 
What have you done to my favourite cars? They were rubbish today. You've completely ruined them. They didn't have a chance to win, you know. So Simon and, Simon and Jeff, the two guys at the top of that. And uh, Jeff Carter has... A bit like when I used to work for the BBC. Uh, when we worked for BBC News in the North East. When I was down in London as well doing my news appreciation courses many, many years ago. I was always taught that if all the sides are equally mad at you, then you're probably doing your job properly. And Jeff <laughs> Carter and uh, Simon and the rest of the team, very much the same as that. If everybody's grumbling, they'll do their job right. And the thing about it is, for both these these guys, Simon Hodgson, who's the uh, the uh, title, he's a technical director basically at IMSA. Uh, yeah, he he's been a, you know, a chief mechanic in this in this sport for many years. Yes, uh, and so Jeffrey Carter too. too. Yeah, Jeffrey, I think he was Jeff was at uh, Tasman back in the day. Uh, certainly, you know, he spent a lot of time with a lot of uh, IndyCar teams and sport car teams as well. So yeah, they've been in the trenches right. uh, uh, and worked their way kind of up the ladder, whichever way, you know, right, both at teams and now at the sanctioning body. So they've got a lot of great information within themselves, not just the, the, the technical data they get, but a lot of experience that they're able to uh, to put to put to bear and you know, make sure they do a good job. That, and that, you know, the fact they have been there and done it themselves. I think it's in of itself engenders a respect from the, the other teams. Oops. Yeah. There's a, it's, it's Colin Brown, number 54 car, who's made a mistake. That's also a particular seaside way at turn uh, turn eight. And he's off the off into uh, yeah. the tyre barrier, uh, Colin. And uh, I think it was another as a red flag comes out on this session. It's just that been, car's been yes. off at that corner, but Colin got a bit further around than, uh, than John did earlier Yeah, John on. did the right thing by aborting the turn in going straight onto the escape road. Colin tried to make it around the corner and didn't and has uh, put a pretty hefty thump on that left front corner of number 54 called Autosport Oregon. Easy to catch the inside kerb there, but he wasn't anywhere near no, it. No, no, no. He turned in a bit late and there's a nasty bump there. And if you catch that, you're already in trouble at that point. And that's a commitment corner, Jeremy, because oh, yeah. that is absolutely crucial to your speed down the back straight which in race trim is going to be one of the overtaking spots at the the end of uh, the back straight at turn nine very much so very much so so you've got to you know the cars have got to be it, it, you know, that's a relatively high speed corner there. i'm not sure what the minimum speed is it's probably 70 or 80 miles an yes. hour i would think and yeah. Uh, you've got to be absolutely committed. There is a little bit of a curve on the inside but colin was nowhere near that he just carried a bit too much speed into the corner you could see there was a uh, a bit of smoke coming off the uh, the inside wheels as he turned in, just carrying a bit too much speed. We're on board now with the uh, 911 Porsche. We can see ahead of us is Colin Brown. He locks up the, 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 the wheels a little bit. And uh, it's not a, it's yeah, not so. a classic line into that corner because of the bump, Jeremy. You just sort of come in a little bit shallower and shave the wall on the right hand side, ideally. And the GT cars can do this far e more easily than the mm. the prototypes. You get your right hand Michelin's and a GT car there actually over the kerb and you straddle the centre part of the kerb. Prototypes don't quite do that, but the reason they're doing that is because that nasty bump to driver's left on the normal turning point yeah, there. Yeah, and also plus that, that it's not a, a, a complete straight hitting into that corner no, either, is correct. it? It's sort of a, there's a, first of all, a bend to the left and slightly a bend to the right as well. Cher Adam has the Continental Tire Pit Lane report as uh, Colin has uh, brought the car back in to pit lane superficial or something more 
serious and worrying, Cher? No, fairly superficial. Uh, the headlight is broken on the left side, and three dive planes were missing off the nose. But I think they can just plunk a new one on and send them back out. It doesn't look like there will be any suspension damage. That's the good news for Colin. Plunk a new nose on? Yeah. Are you adding to Nictionary as well at the moment? <laughs> no, no. Plunk is a, a valued Americanism. Okay. Plunk as in thunk? Yeah. Okay. Well, in, in, in a sense. Okay. <laughs> in the pit lane red flag with just under 54 minutes to go in this two hour free practice session this is fp1 for the bubba burger sports car grand prix here on the streets of long beach good morning everybody morning to you here at long beach listening on the public address system and thanks to the technical team here at the toyota long Beach grand prix for getting us uh, over the airwaves here. We're on 454 even, as well as our scanner frequency this weekend. We'll be sharing that with IndyCar, so I've got to remember to turn off our transmitter down here when we're not using it, so we don't get any uh, any cut over. And, of course, around the world on IMSA Radio, Channel RS2 of the RSL network of channels this week. And with all three of the full-time channels being used for live broadcast, such is the diversity and amount of sports car and endurance racing going on around the world with other than here in Long Beach our teams covering the Michelin Road to Le Mans and ELMS at Paul Ricard in the south of France where it's been exceptionally wet in the lead up to the first round of those two championships and at the Nürburgring Nordschleife for the six hour qualifying race for this year's ADAC 24 hours of the Nürburgring. We'll be covering that live as well, of course, come May. And that is on Sunday, unusually. The Nürburgring races tend to be on Saturday for VLN, but this is not a part of the VLN. This is the qualifying race, and that's on Sunday. And that will be starting around about quarter past half past ten UK time. Check RadioLeMond.com and go down to the bottom of the front page for all of the schedules for RS1, RS2, IMSA Radio and RS3 this weekend. Uh, whilst we've got a bit of quiet, let's take a Continental Tire pit lane update. Misha Goitberg is talking to Shea Adam. Misha, you weren't thrilled about being the first one out on track this morning, but at least you got green flag running. How was the 99 Red Dragon? So the car rolled over the truck very well. Uh, we're happy with where it is. Right now we're the fastest Sora car. Uh, the track is completely green. It's like ice skating out there. But I think with a couple small changes, uh, we'll, be, we'll be in good shape. So that's why they sent you out. The Russian-Canadian who knows how to drive on the slick stuff. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of debris out around the track. Did you feel that you guys were able to learn anything useful going forward with your drive time? No, I think the track is very similar to last year. They didn't change it too much, uh, but the the debris went away pretty quickly. I think after about 10 laps, you you you, you could start to lean on the on the tires, and there is a lot of grip being developed. So I think as as the track rubbers up, we're going to go faster and faster. How different are you expecting the track to be when we get to qualifying in the afternoon with all the different rubber? I think it's significantly different. I think I think it's going to be much more grippier, but we'll, we'll, uh, it'll be hotter as well. So it might be a bit of a trade-off, but I expect uh, everybody to go a significant uh, amount faster than what we're doing now. And you'll be qualifying? Uh, that's the plan right now. Good luck. Thank you so much. Bye. Will, will you get in the car again later on this session, Shay? Um... 
That is interesting. Let me ask him really quick. Misha, you got to get back in later in the session. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Yes, from stage left. Very good. And a gooch your um, vibe to it, that. Yes. Um, and that presumably, Jeremy, will just be to have a little go on lower fuel, although there is one more practice session just before we go qualify. Yeah, a short one later on this afternoon, but it's just the opportunity for him to, 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 to feel how much more grip there is in the track uh, at the end of this session compared to when he started out the session. I talked about it a little bit earlier on, so uh, you know, I think that's a good strategy by that team to uh, get him to do some exploratory laps early on, get a feel for where the track really is, first time here. Uh, well, no, it's not first time, he's won here before. Yeah. Certainly first time in the first time. Yeah. Uh, and then he can get again, get in again later on. And uh, yeah, the differences are. As we're getting battle for speed, it's opportunity for me to give you that Aston Martin news that we've been sitting on for a wee while. Um, I've made sure that we have passed the embargo time. Uh, Aston Martin returning to the Nürburgring 24 hours this year. Two car entry, all six, if it's factory drivers from the FIA WEC, will be involved. And it'll be the final 24 hour race for the current spec Vantage GT3 racing car as a factory entered car. SP9 category uh, entries for Maxim Martin, Marco Sorensen, and Darren Turner and Nicky T. Uh, along with a GT4 V8 Vantage for Alex Lynn, Johnny Adam, joined by my teammate Peter Kate, who's an Aston Martin uh, specialist at the Nürburgring, and Jamie uh, Chadwick, young female British racer, currently doing F4, I think, in the UK, but with some Aston Martin background. She will become the first woman to race a factory Aston Martin in a 24-hour race. Um, both cars in the six-hour qualifying race on Sunday, which you can see and hear on RadioLamont.com, audio on RS1 and the streaming video via RadioLamont.com on the front page. If there's going to be anybody with the time difference, I don't think anybody can get back to do that on Sunday from here, but there's a few drivers here who will be competing. Pretty much everybody in GTLM has some, apart from maybe the, some of the Corvette drivers, has some um, factory association with the 24 hours of the Nürburgring. We're being this way so far back in time here to Europe. I'm out on a Virgin Atlantic flight, thanks as ever to the ladies at uh, Virgin Atlantic Sport Division for looking after my travel this weekend. And uh, I'm out on a Saturday night red eye. I don't get back into the UK till three o'clock in the afternoon, which is halfway through that uh, qualifying race. So good luck to the guys from Aston Martin for that. And I think that's the the GT4 car. I think is the car that uh, we drove at the 24 hours of uh, 24 hours of quarter last year. I think it'll be one of the last last outings is that for that car as a factory vehicle as well. Which Peter Kate very well this weekend. As a was very accommodating to me when I came in very much as the fourth driver for that. And I'm sure he'll be having a celebratory cup of Trugothman tea. 
which powered us through that 24-hour race and many others in the past. Peter, good luck, mate. Have a good Sunday and an even better race in May at the Nürburgring Nordschleife. And again, RS1 for that on Sunday UK time, Sunday morning UK time with Paul Truswell and Bruce Jones bringing you all the action from that six hours. The impact weekend of motorsport. Plan your viewing and listening very carefully here at the weekend, live on IMSA.tv, streaming video at RadioLamont.com, audio of course on IMSA Radio and XM Sirius over the weekend. And here in the US on Fox Network, the whole race live from the streets of Long Beach. Brian Till heading up the commentary, and they are here, or at least they will be. Usually do their commentary from Charlotte. But because this is a shared weekend with IndyCar and the TV production's done in a slightly different way, led to believe that the comedy team will actually be here and we will be next door to the IMSA Radio Broadcast Centre. So that's for you in the US. For those of you outside the US, IMSA TV, no interruptions, flag-to-flag coverage of the 100 minutes of the... Bubba Burger Sports Car Grand Prix here at Long Beach. Right, getting back up to speed, Jeremy. Three quarters of an hour to go. 45 minutes, and Jonathan Bomarito straight on it as he's come back out of the pits and looking for a personal best in the 55 Master, currently sitting in eighth position in the prototype ranks with a best of 115.2. Still less than a second away from the best time of the day put in by the number five Cadillac with 114.418. With the 14.424, that second Cadillac time for the 31. So the two cars run by Action Express, although entered by Whelan and by Mustang Sampling. Pomerino doesn't improve, caught up in the last sector. Yeah, just uh, by, by fractions, he did not improve by just uh, you know, a couple of hundred, less, less than a couple of hundred sort of second. But how tight it is at the front now. We've got the top five cars that's two Cadillacs, two Acuras, and a Nissan within just a hair over two tenths of a second now with as you say with uh, 43 minutes remaining so it is tight at the front as usual same story in gtlm still the same order i don't know the second the four the two four to number six, now, yeah. six car going to second place on this last match to the 118.7 so it's now porsche ford ford porsche then the two Chevys and then the two BMWs, but the top six, so it's the Fords, the Porsches and the Chevys, covered by what, uh, just about, about half a second covering those six cars. BMWs, they're about another second off at this stage. Jeremy Shaw. now for Elio Castro Nevers aboard car number seven. So it's, uh, it was the two Cadillacs at the front and then the two Acuras is now the number seven Acura Velo Castroneves, 114.2, new fastest time of the day so far, and also an improvement for Jonathan Bomarito. That turns a 114.5 to move into fourth position. So we've now got, even with that improvement at the front, we've got the top six cars covered now by about four tenths of a second. Which is nice. Which is nice. I like it being that close, Jeremy, I really do. Yeah. And uh, four different manufacturers in there as well. Trackside violation for the four Chevy Corvette, Oli Gavin. Oli. Sure that no, that's the second time I've seen that. Um, and I, I'm not. I, I can't. Well, 
turn five, you can get a bit of a, a header over the curb there. But I'm trying to think back to last year. Did we have any? It says track side violation. It doesn't say track limits. So what does it actually mean? I'm not sure. It could be coming out of the pit lane and cutting the pit lane exit. That was earlier on. That was shown as a blend line yeah, violation. When the guys came out, the, the, both the JDC Miller cars were pinged early on, just as a warning. So I'm not sure about that. Bit, it was the number 10, I think it was just a little bit of a lock-up. Uh, so he's heading into Turn 5, funny enough. And again, that's a really important corner, Jeremy, that right-handed, because it runs onto a straight, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a short straight there. It's, it's, it's probably one of the least important corners here in terms of getting getting uh, you certainly can't make a pass going into the next corner to turn uh, five there but sorry that's four isn't it yes you're yeah, right yes 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 so you're the end of the parking garage and you're yeah. aquarium. It's, it's certainly a tricky corner we've seen incidents there in the past it's very easy to carry a bit too much speed or just mis misjudge the uh, the uh, turn into the right hand side just click the inside wall and it throws you into the outside which is not good right more track side violations i'm going to do some uh, do a bit of investigating here and see if we can find out what track side violation means. Uh, lap 27 for car six, lap 40 for car number four, invalidated. So clearly some advantage being taken somewhere by those cars. We had the 911 Nick Tandy earlier on with a similar note on our timing screen, thanks to the guys from Alcamel for putting that information there. Just the first time I've seen that, so we'll we'll do a little investigation. Jeremy on it already. Uh, you're listening to IMSA Radio live from Trackside at the Bubba Burger Sports Car Grand Prix of Long Beach. Still just on 40, 40 minutes to go with Jeremy Short, Shea Adam, and John Hindhoff. Overlooking the start finish line here from the IMSA Broadcast Centre forward to a tremendous dash around the streets here on Saturday afternoon 100 minutes of flat out racing tactics not quite as important here as in the longer IMSA races the GT LM cars a little bit of smoke coming from the right hand exhaust from the 67 Richard Westbrook Chip Ganassi machine. I did notice, by the way, that Chip Ganassi was given the honour of throwing out the first pitch of the season for the um, Pittsburgh MLB. Pittsburgh Pirates, that would be, wouldn't it? There's a Pittsburgh lad, has his uh, officers there, and he did a bit of training for it as well, and apparently it was a pretty decent pitch. Yeah. Wasn't going to go there and Pittsburgh's second one bounce of, one in. One of, I forget now how many cities have uh, teams in, in all three of the major sports divisions over here, NFL, NHL, and uh, and uh, and baseball. He's got many seasons, but Pittsburgh is one of them. Uh... Shea Adam may have uh, an answer to the trackside violations that we are getting, and I think track track limits at five might be part of the part of the answer. Shea, what do you know? There are two corners around this track where the IMSA officials are enforcing track limits. 
And if they go outside of them, that is what shows up on the track on the uh, timing screen. So that could be what the penalties are for. Now, we're not entirely sure on the pit lane which two corners they are. We think they are turns five and turn nine, but I will sense. get confirmation on that. But yeah, that's when you see the uh, car numbers popping up for the penalties. That's what it is for as the 66 goes out on track and the 67 Richard Westbrook bringing it in should be in, in uh, just a couple of seconds. Let's take a look to the uh, right rear of Westy's car when he comes in here he's well, he's gone by for another lap the uh, the right rear where the exhaust comes out is uh, just been throwing out a little bit of something didn't look like fluid car 38 now is the latest one to get the trackside violation that's the James French Orica one of the global cars uh, just a little bit of vapour coming out of the right bank of exhausts on the 67 car. Now, we've seen that before. It's just getting worse. I think it'll be all right. Meantime, the 66 of Joey Han, the other Ford, and the 912, the fastest GTLM car. El Bamba still at the wheel of that car. Together on the circuit, heading towards turn number nine. And the 912 backs way off from the Ford. Looks like Earl's trying to get a bit of a clear run through the final portion of the lap and then start another quick one turn five that leads onto that little short straight which is the right hander there used to be an extended curb there drivers right so that would make sense to me in terms of the potential of track limits nine I can only imagine if you go too far over the inside curb there again is there an extended curb yeah because they, they pulled the wall back yes it is in turn nine several years ago and, and several other corners as well to uh, allow better sight line for the drivers uh, but uh, so they moved it back from uh, well the, the apex used to be the wall itself mm. so they moved the wall back from that they've got a curb in there now and uh, the uh, shock absorbers these days are so good that you can run over just about any sort of a curb, curb and it's still going to uh, make you time rather than lose it as it happens in the case of the old days you go on the curb with the old you know, the conventional dampers you've got well, and particularly on the JT cars you drive them like touring cars yeah. now don't you it's fair game Earl Bamba very relaxed behind the seat steering wheel a paucity of movement economy of movement there as he almost gets four tyres off the racing circuit going through turn nine Leaves a little bit of the Michelin to the left-hand side of his portion number 912 on the track. And Shea Adam has been doing a little bit of investigation and has this answer for us on track limits. Go it's, ahead, Shea. It's not track limits as we expected it to be. It is when cars on the racetrack have tyres that cross over the blend line into the pit lane. So it's the reverse uh, uh, yes. of leaving too soon, if you will. Right, okay. And, and the 67 did make it in. There was vapour coming out of that normal spot on the car at the right rear by the exhaust. But as soon as they shut the engine off, that stopped. And nobody on the crew is concerned about it. So I'm not going to be concerned okay, about it. Okay, that's fine. So let me just recap then. If you're watching the live timing and scoring online and you see trackside violation as he's up there at the moment for car number 38. That is going down into the first corner, which is a left-hander. And if you stray too far to driver's right, which is where you want to be, to try and open the entrance out to that first corner, you're putting your right side wheels and tyres into, across a solid 
white line, which is verboten. That is not allowed because that is the exit from pit lane. In fact, there's double yellow lines there now uh, towards the end of that. And the blend line comes out right in to the right-hand side of that first one, two, three complex. And the reason those double yellow lines are there, or the reason the, the track limit is is there, is because it's the, the, the blend line coming, the, the line coming out of the pit lane, uh, that is where the, the cars are going at their fastest under braking, just before the braking yes. area for turn one. So the cars come out the pit lane, they have to keep right over to the right-hand side of the road track and, uh, and go kind of well beyond the apex before turning Coming left yeah. and getting onto the racetrack itself so it's the uh, delineating mark there between the, what is the pit lane and what is the racetrack and what you're told in the driver's briefing Jeremy yeah, is, is you're told that clearly and treat that as if it was a brick wall you're not allowed to even put any part of a wheel over that John Bennett, you're fresh out of your core Autosport Orica prototype. It's slightly different than what you were driving last year, but you know how to win around these streets in an Orica. Think you can do it in the 54? I think so. I mean, we're uh, you know we're turning it on this morning, you know, turning on it this morning, and you know we've been here in a prototype before, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know quite an honor to be in the in the top class, and our uh, Orica 07 is really really good shape but yeah it, it's always fun to come back here it's um, a little bit like riding a sport bike in a parking garage but uh <laughs> it's uh yeah it's, it's great it's always good to be back to long beach slight issue when you were out there running this morning went a bit wide what was it about the track that just threw you off it caught a few people out well i mean to to find lap time you have to you really have to search and you know in all the corners and you know look for all loose change under the cushions and um I think there are certain corners where you can you can turn up the risk a little bit and, and know that you have a little bit of a back door. And uh, yeah, I had to use the back door this morning, so uh, it's no problem. It's uh, sometimes it's easier or it's better to accept defeat and uh, get the car turned around than um, take one swing at the wall. So I think we're in good shape. Collins, uh, you know, chipping away at the lap time, and and uh, I think we have a good race. Yeah, second in points after the first two rounds of the season. Feeling like this is maybe another championship year for you and Colin? Well, I mean, you know, it's certainly uh, super early to think that way. But, um, you know, obviously really happy with our performance at, at Daytona and Sebring. And, and um, you know, we're certainly getting along well with this with this car. And Orca built a great race car. And, and um, you know, I think it's, you know, we need to go back to our roots where you know, race the track and, and, and execute each weekend, you know, to the best of our abilities and, and sort of let the chips fall where they are, where they will. And, and um, but yeah, super, super great start to the year. Hope you managed to find some extra change down the back of that couch cushion. Good luck this weekend. Thank you so much. Sir. Yeah, and absolutely right about his attitude towards turn eight that Shea was talking about. Elio Castro Neves in the number seven Acura for Roger Penske's team out on the circuit at the moment has found a bit of cleared track as he's winding up to a quick one this is his first flyer since coming out of the pit lane he's at the fountain area now maybe just a tiny bit wide took a little bit too much curb on the middle part ran the right hand side continentals up on the curb towards that immaculately kept shrubbery he's thrown the car around a bit though through turn five he is a new john he's clearly very confident now in his accurate and He's always been exuberant character and looking that, look, look that way in the car now. We're inside the final, well, just, just 
couple of seconds over 30 minutes remaining in this session. So a good opportunity now to lay down some laps. 140.2, the fastest lap so far set by Elio Castro-Nevis, and that's already a tenth of a second quicker than the race back record he has set last year. In GTLM, uh, Earl Bambury improved his time last time around, so he remains fastest, 118.0, which is about a tenth of a second away from the race lap record in GTLM, which was not set last year, it was set uh, the year before by Dirk Muller in the Ford GT. Bamba at 118.0. Put Bit of a moment for the 38 and very close to the wall. Carl Masson, a moment or two ago, rear deck moving around, but I don't think he hit the wall, but had a big moment into turn number six and just about held on to it. Meantime, the 85 once again, and once again, it's turn eight. Now Robert Alon just going slightly too deep in the turn here but no harm no foul it's spun around and pointing back in the right direction rejoins half an hour to go Jeremy yeah. and we start to see one or two people just try to push the envelope Robert Alon doing exactly that and again just locking up before the turn into turn 8 and discretion very sensibly the better part of Valor for a man who is still very much learning his trade Yep, moving into the prototype ranks after a year in GT Daytona last season with the Lexus team. Didn't exactly cover himself the glory here, did he? Because he made a, a move down to the hairpin during the race, which took out a whole bunch of cars. And so got a couple of provisions, as yes, I seem to remember. Yep. New fastest time now, Elio Castro Nevers. We just talked about him, John Einhoff, about uh, laying down some laps here. Just under 114.0 as Elio Castro Nevers in car number seven. Also an improvement for Stephen Simpson in the Oracle car in 99. It's a Red Dragon car. He's got an eighth quickest of 115.8. Uh, excuse me, 150.08 in car number 99. And because of that improvement by Elio Castro Neves, he's not quite within a second of the ultimate pace. But good laps there by Stephen Simpson. Best at the moment of the global P2 cars, i.e. the non-DPIs. Yeah. Quick word with Stephen this morning as he was coming out of Marion. Hello to uh, Marion, Sandra, Jeannie Shea and the rest of the team up there. Yeah. Sterling work up the practice at 5.30 this morning, believe it or not. See, I wasn't there then. I'm still very much in the land of nod at that point. Stephen, just looking forward to getting some laps under the wheels of the Orica. 9 car. And this first two-hour session really important. You don't miss the great swear of time. There's lots of time before the car's back on track if you do have a drop, but you don't really want to be missing track time until the premium this weekend. Let's head back down to the pit lane. She had him. Try and jump in for a quick word with Earl Bamber, who finally got out of the number 912 car. It took forever for Earl to hand over the reins of the GTLM Porsche. Earl, were you planning to drive the whole session? You really didn't want to share with Lawrence, did you? 
No, I didn't want to share because I like driving the car around here. I really love street tracks. Um, it's probably my favorite discipline in racing, but it's actually to plan. I think I even gave him more time than was allocated. So uh, I'm being nice, but the plan is, is that he'll do the whole afternoon session in quali. So I think the next time that I get it back in the car is actually in the race. So uh, I've got a nice afternoon in uh, Long Beach now, but the car's great. As soon as we rolled it off the truck, it was uh, it was pretty quick. It was just been chipping away and trying different things. Looks like Ford's also uh, really, really quick. So uh, we've got a big battle on our hands. Are you happy to be here, or would you like a little bit of time off? Because you've been a busy guy. Actually, no. I, I, I really enjoy racing. So, um, you know, the only wish that I would have is that I didn't have to fly in a plane each time. But uh, if I could drive a car each day, then, uh, then I would, you know. I think... Um, Next week we're in mid-Ohio testing in uh, another racetrack um, on the weekend. So I think from now until October, I more or less drive twice a week. So uh, I'm busy. Last week was the Nordschleife, which is a bit more spacious. This week you're here. Next week you go to mid-Ohio. You really are racking up the air miles. I you forgot I went to mid-Ohio this, this week as well. So, uh, I enjoy it, but you know, we've got one of the coolest jobs in the world, I think. Uh, being able to go racing each week, so uh, when you take it, you have to enjoy it. And coming here is always nice. I think for us on 9 12, we've got something to, to try and you know catch back because in 16, we were leading the race quite comfortably. Um, and I think Lawrence was also, lots of people were good here last year, so uh, we really need to, to win this one for 9 12. You had a pretty cool thing happen earlier this week a dream for every Kiwi out there. A supercar fire suit delivered to you with your name on it. What's that like? Yeah, that was pretty cool. So um, the biggest challenge was actually trying to make it catch me somewhere in the world because I don't really go home that often. But um, no, that was pretty cool. So we're preparing that uh, with Shane. And I think uh, just after Nürburgring, I go down for the Winton race and do the co-driver session there. I've already been down there and driven one of the cars um, with actually uh, Brenton Grove. You know, Steve, I've done Mathis 12 hours many times, so uh, had a little steer, but I can't wait to get into the, the Red Bull car and, uh, and share with Shane. I think we've got a pretty good shot at this year. You know, uh, Red Bull Holden's been doing a great job, and they seem to be pretty quick. So um, hopefully we can uh, be in a good shot come October. Like this weekend. I think he's in with a very good shot come October. Number one, Shane Van Gisbergen doesn't go into anything. Uh, other than 100% as the 52 with uh, Gustavo Jakerman just getting pointed back in the right direction at, again, that was turn nine, wasn't it? He just ran on at turn nine. All, other, also, that Holden that uh, Earl Bamba was talking about, brand new car for this year based on the Opel Insignia, which is a front-wheel drive car because they don't build any Holdens in Australia. They don't build any Fords either there, but the Fords are still a little more traditional. And that car is in wonderful work of engineering, similar to uh, a, a Buick uh, over here. Uses the same body shape as the one of the front-wheel drive Buicks over here. And it's chock full of carbon fibre and great engineering. One first time out and had a long chat with Earl Bamba about it on uh, Wednesday. And he's super excited about the Bathurst 1000 in October. It's in between. It's the week in between Rennsport and Petit Le Mans. So he's got to go back from Rennsport, do the thousand k, and then jump straight on the plane to get back to Petit Le Mans at Road Atlanta for the final round of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. 
And uh, he arrives uh, at Atlanta about an hour and a half or two hours uh, after he set off because of the date line, which is <laughs> ridiculous. That's right, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's, so he, he's in the Kiwi card, isn't he? Shame yeah. Ben Gisbergen and Alabama, but that'll be, yeah, that'll be, be one just, to watch. SVG is just a yeah. force of nature yeah. in anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, both of them both of them are, aren't they? That's a really strong driver lineup. Got some improvements here, by the way. We're down into the 13s now. Elio Castroneros is, is, it is who still leads away. Got down to a woman at 13.735. So now just uh, less than a couple of tenths away from the pole record set last year by Ricky Taylor. Also, Tristan Nunez up into second place, less mm. than a tenth of a second behind in number 77 Mazda. Best of the Cadillacs now is in third place. That's Joel Barbosa, who's also improved on his last lap around. He's at 1 minute 14.0. So, Kira Mazda Cadillac, top three in prototypes. John Edwards just gone straight on in the BMW again. This is turn nine at the end of that long back straight, but hasn't hit anything. Used the escape road to escape. Exactly what it's meant to be there for. Now it comes to the hairpin. Fires up the big four-litre V8 twin turbocharged BMW motor and gets this squirt on out in front of us. See him come past. No, he did go through. Edwards did go through the tunnel court. So he's off to start another lap. 20 minutes to go. So a relatively clean session. And there'll be a big sigh of relief from everybody up down the pit lane for that. As 61 laps completed by Joe yeah. Barbosa and uh, Philip Arbico five. Just uh, done their fastest lap yeah, as well, Jeremy, at 39. Improved again on the last two laps as Barbosa. He's now in the 1 minute 13 club. So that, that's a race distance. He's done the they've pretty much done the race distance, haven't they? Far uh, off. Yeah. So we've got 100 minutes, an hour and 40 worth of racing on Saturday afternoon. We've done, we've got an hour and 40 in the books here. They haven't been out all the time, but we're seeing some improvements. Kyle Masson going quicker in that number 38 Oregon, 115.0 for the red and yellow car. 116.2 for Gustavo Jakobin, was that? No, it wasn't. It was Robert Alon in the 85 Oregon. So... Uh, light, uh, timing screen lighting up with lighter colours as Jan Magnussen has just put the best lap in for the number three Chevy Corvette before he peels into the pit lane. Uh, 63 laps yeah. was only last year because it was various caution, but yeah. 78 laps was the race. This was the uh, number. Excuse me, I, number I, laps completely back here in 2015. I had, a, I had a thought that it was 60 something last year, and that's what resonated mm. with me. Hopefully, not as much caution as last year. 912, Laurent Van getting. Squirrely coming out the final corner just to my right and then the Porsche, the flat six, screams past me with that new, well, relatively new and gloriously sounding Akrapovic exhaust system that they got at Le Mans. Was that last year? The year last year, I think it was, wasn't it? Or maybe the year before, but I do remember it being out on the airfield on Tuesday before the race and thinking, what the heck is that? I have to put my hand up and say that I am a bit of a sucker for the sound of a flat six, but that 
the exhaust on that car, the high revving nature of that Porsche flat six engine in the RSR. And the best sounds in motor racing for me. What a great way to break the early morning stillness. Um, Jordan Taylor just did the best final sector of anybody on his way to a 114.1, and he's backed that up with the best first sector of anyone. The number 10, Conning of Minolta Racing, Cadillac D, VIVR. The 10 in fourth position, possibly about to improve again as Ollie Jarvis gets a faster lap time in the 77 Dark Red Master. So all of a sudden, in this last 20 minutes or so, Jeremy, the wick being turned up. Yeah, exactly as we expected. And we're getting now down to lap record territory time already. One minute 13.549 is Ricky Taylor's benchmark from last year in qualifying. And George is just at a 13.9, just improved, but that is his best time of the, uh, the car's best time for session. So we've now got uh, four cars underneath. One minute 14. 14.7 by the Acura Economist seven. The car time was set by Edo Castronovic. Now Ricky Taylor of that car to round out this two-hour first practice session. Good run earlier by the Acura. It was Elio, wasn't it, that put the time in in the yeah. seven? One thirteen point seven three five. Still the benchmark at the moment. That car back out with Ricky Taylor at the wheel. My goodness, that is a good-looking car. Top 14 are still all of the prototypes, as it should be, with a couple of seconds between the back of the prototype field in lap times and the front of the GTLM field. Lawrence Vonter out in the 912, 118.012, the time that his teammate Earl Bamba put in a little earlier on. BMW still slightly off the pace, although Alexander Sims has just put a 119.16. They're still half a second behind the uh, the Corvettes. Yeah, that's their best time. Yeah, you're right. Six. So, but it's getting a little bit closer. They did start out a little bit later than everybody else. Uh, but uh, but having said that, number 24 cars turned 51 laps in this session, and that's uh, you know right up amongst those going kind of average of number of laps completed by True. the field. True. 40 it's laps. The the least number of laps completed by any of the cars that would be both the number six Acura prototype car and the sister BMW that's kind of between five yeah Patrick Peeler improves to second position so now we've got the GTLM field looking like this Porsche Porsche 912 911 Ford Ford 66 67 Corvette, Corvette, four from three, and BMW, BMW, 25 from 24. No Risi Competizione Ferrari this weekend. A sad omission from the entry list. I know a lot of Ferrari fans were hoping to see that car in the streets of Long Beach. I'm not sure, to be honest, when we'll see that car again. Hopefully, at VIR for the GT Festival, effectively, there later on in the year. And then Petit Le Mans, maybe at the Glen as well, is what the team was saying. But at the moment, Giuseppe Risi not able to confirm when that car will be back in the IMSA WeatherTech Championship paddock. Which leaves us with just the four factory cars. 
uh, just the four factory teams are either two cars apiece. One or two people asking, we were talking about Aston Martin earlier on, why Aston aren't here. They're concentrating on developing their new for 2018 car for the World Championship season in Le Mans. Testing being going very, very well, by the way, supporting the team. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, before I went off on a, another lap of the world, and the car described to me as exceptional in its development phase. Now, they're not like to call rotten fish, but the amount of laps they have clocked up, and I'm putting my hands solidly on a piece of wood there, because I don't want to curse them. <laughs> Jeremy taps his head. The amount of laps that have been clocked up by that car in a variety of conditions, including some very wet conditions in Spain, bizarrely, was... Uh, Just where you expect to go for the well, test. Could have gone to Snetterton for that. Didn't have to go all the way to, to Spain. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, while we're talking about teams are not here this weekend, a shout-out to the Spirit of Daytona team. Uh, really sad not to see the number 90 Good car point. here this weekend because of the incident that was that befell Tristan Gauthier toward the end of the Sebring 12-hour when uh, they had just a brilliant weekend there up until that point. Tristan Gauthier put the car on the pole position, uh, led a goodly portion of the race, was running really strongly going to the final hour or so of whatever it was in the race, and a big crash at turn 17. And sadly, that car not repairable in time for here, hopefully. We will see the car back out again at uh, Mid-Ohio, next time established in early May, or else the team is saying at Detroit in June. So uh, we miss you guys from Spirit of Daytona, and certainly hope to see you back here very, very soon. Well, Alexander Sims, you seem to like having Californian co-drivers. You traded Bill Oberlin for Connor Filippi. How is the M8 around the streets of Long Beach, though? Um, well, I mean, first of all, it's just great to be back here. You know, I just had my first laps, and it's so much fun around this track. Um, the M8's yeah, working okay. Uh, I think, quite honestly, we've got a bit of work to do. Um, we're lacking a little bit compared to the, the opposition at the moment, but um, yeah, we'll try and tune things for free, free practice too and then on for quali. But yeah, it's a short weekend this, so uh, not much time to really rethink things. It's just, uh, yeah, got to try and hit the ground running, but we've got some work to do. Given how track conditions are right now versus how they will be in the race, isn't it better to not be at your optimum at the moment? Um, I guess you could look at it like that. I mean, I think most people would still prefer to be at the front and, uh, you know, leading from there and, and going into each session, trying to improve from being quick already. Um, but, yeah, it's one thought. Um, <laughs> let's see the positives. I mean, it's, it's not terrible, don't get me wrong, but um, it just feels like we've got a bit of work to do. 10 minutes to go and he put Connor back in the car. Is he going to get the uh, duties for qualifying a bit later on? Um, I believe at the moment I'm going to do qualifying. Um, first time for Connor here. I obviously drove it last year. Um, so just, just from the experience point of view, I think it might make sense for me to do it. But uh, we'll see how he goes and we'll just keep a, an open mind. Well, he got the pull at Sebring, so it's your turn here. Good luck. Yeah, well, yeah. That's a good point that Shea makes, Jeremy. The danger is in this early two-hour session is that you panic and start changing the car and trying to tune with the, how the track is now. Yes, of course, everybody would like to be at the front of the field, as Alexander Sims said. But if you start chasing the track here, there's not that much time to get it back. No, particularly, as, as we heard several drivers allude to, it is going to be significantly warmer later this afternoon when the cars are out on track for that uh, 
uh, pre-qualifying practice session and lead straight into qualifying. And uh, I mean, this morning we got here and it wasn't even 60 degrees uh, ambient temperature. It's going to be probably high 70s later on this afternoon. Even I had a jacket on this morning. Yeah, and I had two jackets on. And, and, and the other thing is, there's no morning warm-up here on Saturday. So right. after qualifying this afternoon, the cars are put away. And really then, you've got to have your setup sorted to go racing. And, and the race on Saturday, it's for midday or one o'clock, I think, is the start time, which is much earlier than it has been sometimes here yeah. in the past. So it's, it's pretty much out on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be right at the sunny, sunny hot yeah. part of the day. Yeah. And the weather forecast, by the way, is lovely for the weekend. So if you... Long Beach Grand Prix, it's going to... It's just always. Uh, if you're within, you know, half a day or a day's drive of here, listening to us at the moment on IMSA Radio, uh, make your plans for Saturday. Yeah. Have a ride up. The, it's an event for the Capital E, and there happens to be some racing here as well. And, and I mean that in the best possible way. That, that everything, the town goes to town on racing this weekend. It's brilliant, isn't it? There's so much activity going on there. There's a great variety of races this weekend. There's the World Challenge cars here. We've got the Indy cars. We've got the historic Trans Am, which is going to be a lot of fun. There was a big contingent to those guys there last yeah. time, by the way, at the RDC dinner, including Tommy Dreesy who's uh, had some success here in the past. He's going to be driving some success, yes. Yeah, he, he was just thrilled last night because uh, he, he drives now the car that used to be driven by Jim Hall, uh, who was there last night uh, of Chaparral fame, and he was thrilled to be there. The other guy who's going to be in that trans field of note is John Hildebrand, oh. which is JR's father. He's got, I'm sure this car, he's got a couple of uh, trans cars. I think it's a golden ghost who's driving here. A uh, silver ghost, I should say. Uh, I'm not sure, but um, he's got a couple of Camaros and He's going to be part of that field as well. What, what a nice decision to have to make. Which of my classic trans well, is the, the driving instructor. He took everybody on a track walk yesterday, I gather, which was uh, quite entertaining. The expo, of course, takes, takes place here in the convention centre. All sorts of uh, activities to do there. Eight Good. minutes. Good. Good. Check out our, our, uh, our chap, Gary Jordan's pastor, is going to be there. The, uh, is yes, it? Yes, it is. Excellent. Out of the 30s, so go check that out. Uh, new top of the times for the GT Le Mans last time around. Ryan Briscoe, yeah. a 17.8. Uh, pulls out a couple of tenths on the two Porsches, so that wrecks the symmetry of the timing screen. Now Ford, Porsche, Porsche, Ford, Corvette, Corvette, BMW, BMW. So Ryan Briscoe, clearly not ill effects from having his birthday yesterday, and he's putting on a bit of a show at the moment. Thrifty. That Ford GT through turn number eight and along the back straight to the tricky right-hander. Uh, uh, sorry, it was right on the rear, wasn't it? Was it Briscoe? Yeah, no, it was Briscoe. No, okay. I've got my... Ryan DL. Ryan DL. Ryan, 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 Ryan DL. Right, there you go. Ryan, yeah. It was DL. You're right. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, See what happens Briscoe, when I get him early. Briscoe proved on each of his last two laps because he went, he went to he split the Porsches first of all into second place. Good point. And he's on that next lap turn of 117.8 to go fastest and that is uh, that sub lap record race lap record time set by Dirk Mueller in the Ford GT two years ago actually uh, and it was very quick two years ago a, a quick thought as we're running it down in the last seven minutes or so just about the race on Saturday for the GT cars um, for all the pro drivers there effectively is no driving time it's five minutes so after five minutes, it's open season in the pit lane. And talk to pretty much all of the GT LM teams, and they reckon that they can come in any time and make it to the finish um, from pretty much five minutes on. 
So tactics, if there's going to be, uh, it, they would only do that if there was a yellow. And they reckon if there's yellow at that point, they are pretty close to being able to, able to go all the way at the end, even yeah. for five minutes. Not not for not for 100 minutes. They can't do, they can't do an hour and 40 on time. I, I was surprised too. So, yeah. But it's a much easier uh, tactical uh, but what swear for the GT cars than it is for the prototypes. What they can do though is make the driver change early on. Yes. So that's one less thing you have to do uh, later Correct. on in the race. Is, and then you could point. just splash and see yes. how the tyres are doing. Indeed. And get the car straight back out again, keep the heat in the tyres. Remember, no tyre warmers allowed in the pit lane. The groundsman here very particular about that. Still, uh, Acura Mazda Cadillac at the front of the field is now Felipe Nazar in number 31, just gone into the third position. 113.899 slides. Could be slightly improved last time around, so we've now got the top five cars covered by a hair over two tenths of a second. That's number seven, Acura, number 77, Mazda, and then the three Cadillacs, 31, 5, and 10. Also called what Pablo Montoya in car number six is up to the sixth position now on the 14.2. So down into the last five minutes now, still one or two people just dropping wheels in the blend line at the exit of the pit lane. Lauren Vantour. In the Porsche 912, which was quickest in the hands of his teammate, <clears throat> needs to find a little bit of time. Just had a big lot of moments <laughs> down towards uh, turn seven, six, excuse me, and ran through, spin turn, rear brakes, it looked to be locked up there as he's going down four gears, then all the way down into first, big boot of throttle. Had to stand on the brake there to stop it rolling backwards into the track barriers. New track side violation, by the way, on the last lap. Yeah. Number 24, John Edwards. He just got uh, he turned a 119.4 or 5, I think it was, which would have put him ahead of the Tibet Condi Felipe, but that, that time, time taken away because he uh, ran, used it too much. Road on the entrance to turn one. Another change at the top. Philippe Nazir, 113.720. Just 0 0.015 of a second ahead of Ricky Taylor's Acura and Ollie Jarvis. Another 0 0.023 of a second further back for Mazda. Close so, not even a tenth between the top three at the moment. We like that, Jeremy. Oh, somebody's just been in the wall. Is that the 38? Yes, it was. Down to the pit lane. Shea Adon. Also, the 912 off again at the same place, I think. End of the straight into turn number six. Seven's the little kink, is it? Was it turn one? Yeah, yeah it is turn one, Jeremy. Mm. You're right. I, I wonder then if that he's just found the flat spot on the right front tyre that he did the previous lap at turn six then. As seven's that little kink. Shea, what's going on with the 38 Orica? 
Uh, almost if you could replicate the damage that came off of the 911 Porsche a little bit earlier. That's the same with the 38. It's left rear, although they are checking the suspension. One of the rods is bent. I can actually see a large crease mark in that. So that's that car done for this session. Uh, but there's a bit of bodywork damage and the tail light is missing from the left rear as well. So James French will be crawling out of the car. And it's too bad because Kyle Masson looks like he was just doing homework. That was turn nine. Yeah, it was exit of turn nine, Shea. Just grazed the wall there, trying to get a little bit too much exit speed. Kyle Masson done a nice job. Zero. 21.3 seconds off the ultimate pace. And Kyle Masson, the youngster from Windermere, Florida, his first time here. Uh, on the streets of Long Beach for the 20 year old. Good, uh, good lap time. 90 seconds to go. Rani just gone uh, in the middle sector in the car of 22. The Nissan's surprising down in 18 nights places so far in this session, but still within. So that uh, qualifying mark is going to be uh, around two in the history books and later on this afternoon, John. And in the last 50 seconds, a race is breaking out on the back of the circuit, coming through to nine now. Tom Milner in the four Corvette has Ryan Briscoe in the 67 Ford. Ford versus Chevrolet. And that's somewhere before, through the hairpin. And they're just sizing each other up here. The chequered flag will come out in half a minute. So they're starting their last lap of this free practice session. We'll watch them across the line past us. Down towards turn one. He's got the power in the straight line. The Ford sitting in the draft of Tommy Milner. Tommy defends his position in the middle of the road. Here comes Briscoe down the inside into turn one. This is free practice, remember. But that was absolutely a setup for race conditions just to see where the bumps are if you're offline just to see what happens to your braking really good driving by both guys and making just a little bit of a race of it in the last moments of free practice jeremy sure indeed uh, that was that was quite interesting to watch wasn't it but certainly the ford uh, tucked right in behind the chevy on the run on that long run along a short line drive and able to make that pass very late on the break she was into turn one, Ryan Briscoe. So, yeah, very, very late indeed. The board once again looking very strong here on the streets of Long Beach. And riding the bumps exceptionally well. The Porsches and the Fords seem to be the cars that have the most stable platform. And that is what the drivers are looking for at this stage of the game. To be able to do that late break manoeuvre that Jeremy Shaw was just talking about there without the wheels bouncing off the ground. As soon as the wheels start to lose contact with the ground, you can't slow down. Neither can you put the power down. Checkered flag is out. Philippe Nazir has seen it. Doesn't improve. Philippe Albuquerque has seen it. The five Cadillac has improved to 0.093 of a second behind Philippe Nazir. 1.13.5 and 1.13.6 for the two Action Express cars. Ricky Taylor has pitted. Ollie Jarvis not yet through. The 13-7, 13-5, 13-6, 13-7, for the top four, one and a half tenths between the top four prototypes here after the first two hours of free practice, live from trackside on RS2 IMSA Radio in GTLM, 117.8.
and 179. The two Fords at the top at the chequered flag, 67 from 66. So order restored. And indeed, all of them are in reverse number order. 67 from 66, the two Fords split by less than a tenth. Then the 912 and 911 Porsche split by less than half a tenth. Then the two Chevy Corvettes, four from three, split by a tenth and a half. And the 24 and 25, 25 and 24 BMWs uh, are also got about two and a half tenths between them. And that is an extraordinary look to the field with the top six uh, all within nine tenths of a second. The BMWs with some pace to find there. Cadillac, Cadillac, Acura, Mazda, Cadillac, Acura for your top six separated by three and a half, four tenths of a second at the top of the field with improvements by Juan Pablo Montoya in the number six Acura right at the end by Jonathan Bomarito in the 55 Mazda as the chequered flag came out, both getting close to uh, the one minute 14 barrier, 114.1 and 114.3. But to be in the top five, you had to have a 113 something and a 113.5 Fastest time for the 31 Cadillac. The Action Express team with the Whelan and the Mustang sampling cars. Jeremy Shaw looking ominously good. We've seen them do this before. When they roll off the truck quickly and have good speed, they tend to be having a good weekend. Yes, they do, don't they? And uh, certainly I think that is a bit uh, ominous for the rest of the field here. The Cadillacs are always strong here. Uh, despite, uh, well, not, not despite anything, they're always strong here. Mm. Uh, the, you know, the talk of that V8 engine coming off, particularly coming off the hairpin at turn 11, uh, is is impressive. They've been pegged back a bit uh, from where they, those cars were originally, and a slightly smaller engine, of course, this season, the 5.5 litre as opposed to the 6.2 they had in the past, but it's still a very, very effective tool on the streets of Long Beach. Shea Adam was our Continental Tire Pit Lane reporter. Jeremy Shaw and me, John Hindoff, here in the IMSA Radio Broadcast Centre. Thanks for being with us. Back out this afternoon with a short uh, practice session before we set the pole positions, two thereof, one for prototypes and one for GTs. For the third round of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, it's the Bubba Burger Sports Car Grand Prix on the streets of Long Beach, That's this afternoon's qualifying session, and it will be live here on RS2 IMSA Radio. Bye-bye. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.